on the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are strapping on our dancing shoes for Emmy-winning miniseries Fosse Verdon, joining Chris Pine and India Isley for a tale of race and grisly murder in the Patty Jenkins-produced I Am the Night, and joining Robert Zemeckis for a flight on supernatural drama Manifest, which very much wants to position itself as the new Lost, only with fewer polar bears. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your weekly guide to the latest televisual happenings or, in the case of this week, three shows that aired months ago in America. Uh, joining me as we try to desperately catch up with our transatlantic cousins are the other two sides to this little pod triangle. In the red corner, hailing from the seven rings of Hades, we have a well-meaning half-demon whose true name, Anung Unrama, means and upon his brow is set a crown of flame. He was summoned from hell to earth as a baby by Nazi occultists, but he's here today to co-host the podcast. It's Hellboy! <laughs> oh, I see. Hey. See? Oh, oh, was that too much? That I was think worth it. I may, it was, that one might have been a stretch. It was good because we got your funny voice uh, like about two minutes into the podcast. Which smug voice. Good. Smug well, voice. the smug funny name voice. Yeah, yeah the funny good. name voice. The nerdy see, that, smug That is actually Hellboy's real oh. name. So this is all Hellboy's I mean, I should have known autobiography. That. I should have known that in the same way I should have known that the character that Simon Pegg plays is yes. the father oh. of the person yes. who that took who used his likeness in the original comic strip that we didn't know and got so, told about. Yes, many, many people pointed yeah. this out. Uh, the reason we were saying, well, why is Simon Pegg here and why is he playing the dad? It's because the son character, who he is now too old to play, was based yes. on his yeah. visage. Which, of course, we all knew. We just decided not to mention Yeah, that's it. right. We, we all knew that. And Terry yeah. in particular, uh, for she is here as well. I should do your introduction properly. In the blue corner... It's Terry. So, um, <sighs> sorry, I didn't have anything left after after Boyd's. Like it. Yeah, that's it. I just I felt it wore me out. Honestly, Boyd's one was quite quite mm. extreme, and I, I didn't have the fortitude <laughs> to uh, to do another one. With my staggering, intimidating lineage, and all I get that's is right. Boyd comes from the Seven Rings of Hell, and you're just here. <laughs> I also um, come from the Seven. You also, but that was implied. Like I didn't yeah, feel yeah. I needed to spell that out. Um, how how are you though? I'm all right. You're doing good. Uh, more importantly, what did you think of? Uh, the Picard trailer that debuted at Comic-Con uh, last week. But a mere day after we recorded last time, and therefore we were unable to include it. I loved all of the uh, zero seconds I watched of it. Did you not watch it at all? Did I fuck? On well, principle. Well, I did watch the Picard yeah. trailer, and I and um, I very much enjoyed it. Did you? Yeah, and I, I watched it in two minds. One is just thinking, oh, I'm enjoying this. This is interesting and, and very well done and nice little... Little little drops in of, of old characters we know mm. and love, and then I just get, all the way I kept thinking, what will James be thinking? What will James be thinking? And that's kind of yeah. What would, I, what would Jesus do? I have talked about this in some detail on Star the Trek Empire Jesus. podcast, but I no, I I I I enjoyed that it had lots of trekness to it, uh, as opposed to you know just grapes. So that was nice. Mm. Seven of Nine is in this data. Is in it the Borg are in this Romulans? Yes. Are in this. There's a lot going a on. A lot going on. A lot going on. Uh, Jonathan Del Arco is is in this. He was on the panel. He played Hugh in the episodes I Borg and Descent. So uh, so presumably he's reprising that role. I think you might see him in the trailer. I couldn't make out whether it was him. You know the naked guy. Who's oh yeah. It. That yeah. might be that might yeah. be Hugh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a lot going on. We know right, that, that Troy and Riker are going to be back in this as well. So that's good. Yeah. Sorry. Right. Terry's rolling right. She's like, you said you weren't going to bang on about this. And yet, here we are. If you'd like to, there is a segment called News, which uh, I believe there's appropriate space and time to discuss fine, the manner of fine. this. Or you can use your intro to, like, Picard's <laughs> explain 
as a preface to the actual news bit, which is what seems to be happening. Is, is your main complaint, Terry, that I haven't properly talked about how it's interesting they're clearly going to be doing something with the Borg? For there is indeed a scene of a Borg internment camp where they say it's 5,000 plus days without an assimilation, which means that we are in a post-collective world, perhaps? is that Was that your, your main... No. Okay, right. So let's move on from Picard. If you wish to hear more about me banging on about that, then it's on the latest (laughs) Empire podcast. Uh, What have we been watching this week? Terry, have you, most importantly, and the only reason I'm sure a lot of people have tuned in, have you watched any more Downton? I haven't yet. Oh. I know. Well, mainly, I have to say, because my Amazon, is, which is what it's on, um, is on a Roku stick. And it's not mm. on my Now TV, which is mm. where my Netflix and all my other things are. So it means me unplugging everything and sticking a Roku stick in, which is obviously a step too far. But I uh, fell down a kind of good but vaguely shit uh, BBC thriller rabbit hole this week. So I started with Keeping Faith, which originally was a Welsh language. Was it originally Welsh language, Boyd, or they did it concurrently as they, Welsh they, and English they did language? did it concurrently. So there's a few of these... BBC Wales slash Esforcy Dramas where they film the whole thing, each scene in Welsh and in English. That must take ages. It must take ages. It must be excruciating, but that's what they do. And it yeah. stars Eve Miles as a woman who who basically her husband just disappears one day and she tries to find out what happened. Uh, there are loads of uh, sharks being jumped all over the shop. It's slightly ridiculous in parts, but the second season came back this week and actually it's it, um, on iPlayer. It's the most viewed non-network show ever on iPlayer, so it's massively successful and then because of that it recommended to me from darkness which is the Anne-Marie Duff very similar ex-police officer had some kind of breakdown lives in um, remote Scotland and she's pulled back into her old life by Johnny Harris Johnny Harris of this is England fame um, when some dead prostitutes are found and is that good it's very good and there's only been one season and it seems to be kind of conflicting reports about whether it's going to come back mm, yeah. because I'm not giving anything away but it ends in quite a surprising way so I basically spent like many hours with women in you know quite difficult positions um, feeling seen feeling validated mm. this week it's very you that in darkness one I thought that yeah I nearly got I nearly I, I suggested that we should review thingy last week um, keeping faith but then yes yes you, you did you, you guys there didn't were, bite there was well, a lot to do things. a lot to cover but it is a huge phenomenon it's, it's a, a proper phenomenon. word of mouth thing yeah, yeah. I think Eve Miles is great. She's she's really good in it. But as you say, there it does stretch credulity in various points. But I watched the first episode of the new series, and it, and it kind of slightly miraculously works because it mm. kind of doesn't immediately explain what happened after the end yes. of the previous series. It's quite clever the mm. way I think it it does it. Yes. Now, boy, if you and I would have watched the same thing on Monday, are you sure? We would have watched. That? Well, last Monday, oh, okay. I say, we will have watched the finale. Of Big Little Eyes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's true. Which was pretty exciting. It was and exciting. And it seemed to have divided people, yeah. although I really, really properly liked it. I liked the... I thought the confrontation between Nicole Kidman and Meryl Streep oh, was phenomenal. It was incredible. Yeah, That's that was one of my incredible. scenes of the year. Yeah, mm. I agree. And um, and that took up... Thankfully, it took up a lot of the episode and I thought was was, yeah. was brilliant, the build-up to it. And every single, everything, that, everything that Meryl Streep and Nicole Kidman did in this series was yes, incredible. Agreed. So putting all the issues aside that we talked about last week mm. of the creation of it and all of that. Um, but I did think the ending ending was slightly just, I mean, I believed it. Yeah. It was believable and it made yeah. sense, but it was slightly like meh in terms of it was a bit of a non non-event. I actual, understand what you're I mean? saying. Obviously, no spoilers. We're not going to talk yeah. about it. Not least all Terry hasn't yeah. seen it. Uh, but 
I feel like the ending was okay for me if the story's going to continue. And I think, and Nicole Kimmins said she would like it to, but in the wake of all the Andrea Arnold stuff, I feel like this is probably it for Big Little Lies. Uh, I could be wrong, but I feel it might be. And if it is, then while the ending's fine, it's not as fulfilling mm. as perhaps it could be. Also, there are certain logistical issues with the choices made at the end, which, again, we can't really talk about. But anyway, I, as a whole, I really enjoyed the series. I thought it was very, very yeah, good. I agree. Uh, I thought, especially given that they, they, they'd veered from the source material, they, they really found ways, perhaps more so than the first season, that it's just they found ways to engage with this whole ensemble and give people like Laura Dern and Zoe Kravitz like proper amounts of things to do which they, I think they lacked the first time around I also like the fact that this second season which began ostensibly about this is going to be the season about the fallout of the end of the first season and actually it isn't really it is a bit but that's almost like a b-plot to the other themes which seem to take precedence over it and I think that was a pleasant surprise that it wasn't all about oh how are they going to cover up this big event and that's that's not what they're not yeah what they're the Zoe Kravitz is. stuff was yeah a big, Zoe was, Kravitz was stuff a big and then the Nicole and Merrill stuff and yeah. they completely I think eclipsed the uh the the Perry mm. stuff yeah so, I agree with that anyway very good. <laughs> Terry will watch it at some point. Yeah. I'm not I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And I know a lot of women who feel the same who also don't feel ready. Yeah. Are we... I mean, because the HBO, the head of HBO did did kind of talk about the controversy, but we might... Are we going to leave that to news? Are we going to... I don't know. Maybe well, it might be worth mentioning it now, since it's wrong. Let's rather, it now. Than, rather than Rather than slightly absurdly. But he basically reiterated the statement they put out. But he did talk about the way TV works being different to film, in that he said no director ever gets fired. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying... He, I'm not kind of even defending him, but his explanation mm. was no director in the world of TV gets final cut, and that Jean-Marc Vallée didn't get final cut in the first series. And they all kind of... He, he turned in his edits and they all got together and they kind of together David E. Kelly etc together being the together yeah word. and he didn't and that was what I was going to go and say he didn't deny that she effectively Andrew Arnold had been kind of cut out of the editing process he did not deny that mm. in his in what he said so it was kind of like a well TV's different and he didn't he, he said that um, he said that she, she, you know it was it said that she shouldn't have necessarily expected to get final cut, or like, but she equally oh. not to get cut oh. out of the process. Jean-Marc Vallée, I'm telling you what didn't happen in the first season. Jean-Marc Vallée didn't find himself no longer editing that. Yeah. I'm sure people turned up with opinions, but he sat yeah. in that edit room. Yeah, he yeah. didn't have an edit room set yeah. up thousands of miles away, of which he wasn't sent into and then sent back on set to do 17 days of reshoots without having control of those reshoots. I just, th- I just think that kind of statement is like... It's disingenuous. It is it? disingenuous. Yeah. What he's saying is, is accurate, but that's not the point. And it's her, it's her fault yeah. she shouldn't be surprised by this. Mm-hmm. Clearly, there's been a massive communication breakdown. She would did not expect no. that to happen. Yeah, course, yeah. If that was ever part of the plan, then that should have been mm. made clear to her. Yeah. That just sounds like, oh, you know, this. she should have just expected yeah. it. What did she expect? Overreacting. I really want to see what the... What the Actors and actors and exec producers, because they're all exec producers as well, say yeah. about it. And that's that's the you know fascinated yeah, it's surprising by that. they've been yeah been they've so been pretty quiet. quiet about it. Yeah, um, yes. I'm watching something else. I want to quickly mention though. Go on on a completely different subject, which is a documentary film slash TV program on Netflix, The Great Hack. Oh, I'm desperate yes. to watch this. This is the it's a two hour Netflix documentary about the Cambridge Analytica scandal. Interesting, and how that you know the whole Facebook um, situation that the fact they recently paid five six billion fine for the fact that their data was stolen and used yeah. in, in in dodgy ways. And it basically focuses on it focuses on this guy called David Carroll who um, is trying to get the information they had on him extracted from there. And, and amazingly, and, and using this massive location, he still hasn't got it. He's <laughs> spoiler alert. He still has not been able to 
get hold of the information about himself, the information about himself that they had on him, extraordinarily. Carol Cadwallader, who is, you know, this kind of heroic journalist writing for The Observer and Guardian on it, who's been writing about it for a couple of years now, and gets constantly, you know, abused and berated by right-wing fascists on on social media. Aaron Banks. Aaron Banks, etc. And she, and just watching her kind of explaining her process and explaining the pressure she's been put under is really interesting, very moving, actually, that she kind of gets these vast, huge, big files of stuff that she's had to go through. Because she, every now and then, you know, she gets something wrong. And that's, this is what gets picked up on by these fascists who are against her. But it's like, well, you know, she's dealing with thousands and thousands of reams. And when you see the stuff she has to deal with, it's like, well, yeah, every now and then, once the blue moon, she may get a tiny little detail wrong, but the amount of work she's done has been incredible. And there's also Brittany Kaiser. So there's kind of these three subjects. Brittany Kaiser used to work for Cambridge Analytica and is kind of a whistleblower, but also kind of weirdly not. And she's this fairly amoral figure in the middle of it. And she's fascinating. And I really want you to watch it because mm. what's interesting, well, I'm in totally in two minds about it. it. It absolutely explains very well and in a kind of visually bold, almost like the Matrix style way of what all these little bits of data on us, how that all works and how these people gather them and how, you know, we should be very careful about signing away our privacy rights and all of that. And, that mm. is the, and it's a kind of lavish, visually impressive film on Netflix. But part of me also, that begins with Brittany Kaiser at the Burning Man Festival and it's all like spectacularly filmed and all of that and it's very grandiose in its way and she's a very grandiose figure as well. But part of me thought, I wonder whether the opposite approach of just having simple talking heads mm. explaining what the hell was going on without kind of showing these, particularly her, this being this spectacular, charismatic figure, because I did find a very, a very amoral figure, wouldn't have been better. So I'm, I'm completely in two minds about it, and I'm interested to see what you think. Interesting. Speaking of uh, films that we're <laughs> pretending are TV shows for the sake of this podcast... I mean, uh, no one's going to see it in a bloody cinema, so it's on Netflix. Obviously, uh, Dominic Cummings is uh, now yes. playing a part in Boris Johnson's government, having been the start of Brexit, the Uncivil War, played by Benedict Cumberbatch. And it's amazing how few people now even still know who he, the mastermind behind the Leave campaign, is. Yeah. So I'd, I'd recommend people watching Brexit, the Uncivil War, as a kind of political primer for the modern age and, you know, to depress the shit out of you. And we're all fucked. <laughs> yeah. Also, also fucked. that. We can all agree um, Along those lines. I, so I finally, I got to the end of Killing Eve. I watched the Killing Eve finale for season two. Hang on, haven't you been watching this like six <laughs> well, months no, I or start, I started it again last week and I've watched it through to the end this week. I got to the end of it. I, I'm like, and I, I get what you're saying with it. Like, it, it's it's not as good, is it? It's season two, it, it lacks a certain something. And it's it's that classic thing that Helen West bangs on about the Empire podcast. When you have a villain who's so good that the only way to try and like give them more screen time is to almost bring them over to the side of the heroes. And I think by by trying to do that a bit with Villanelle, it, it, it didn't help the character at all. It made me less interested in her. And I wasn't particularly... I didn't really buy where it went. And the very end of it, I think, left me slightly... I'm not going to spoil it for people who haven't yet seen it. But the very end of it, I thought, was a little bit disappointing as well. So, yeah, fell a bit flat for me, I thought. No, but I, I still feel like there were two standout episodes for me. The final episode and the, I think, episode five, I want to say. Um but the others, a couple of the others really kind of dropped down. Mm. It, it just lacked the consistency for me. Some of the standout moments, I have to say, were, were better than some of the standout moments in season one, but I think it lacked that consistency. And you're right, that particular kind of um, narrative development, yeah. it really kind of pushed you to a, a difficult place. I much prefer it when they're kind of apart and and it's all yes, about absolutely. that tension. I like that they didn't defang her. She still had edge as uh, oh, evidenced yeah. by, shall we say, the incident with the maths teacher. 
feature, yeah. which was really fucking dark. Um, so yeah, it still had edge to it, and, it, and it, as you say, it had had some pretty good moments. But uh, all, all things considered, a, a lesser season of that. Do you know what I also watched this week? I mean, neither of you will care, but I started watching the most recent series of Fear the Walking Dead because I feel that someone should, uh, and because they announced also at Comic Con <laughs> that not only is there another. Walking Dead, we're just doing news in this segment now. <laughs> Not only is another spin-off from Walking Dead series coming, so fear the Walking Dead. This will be what? Celebrate the Walking Dead? I don't know. Be really afraid yeah. of the Walking Dead. Yeah, the Walking Dead Miami. I've no idea. Anyway, there's another spin-off coming, and uh, Andrew Lincoln is going to start in, I think it's, is it two or three theatrical movies set yeah, in this that's, universe? That's, which nobody asked for. That is so bizarre. But it seems like an odd thing to do. So the Walking Dead is currently experiencing all-time low ratings like it peaked i think season six and now it's fallen to ratings that are lower than the first season that does not seem the time to spin off yet another season and to green light three theatrical <laughs> movies does it really mm, that's uh, so that's a little bit wrong. but anyway so i went back and started watching fear the walking dead the last season of fear the walking dead ended in a really sort of frankly tedious way where they set up a trucking stop and decided they were going to go and help people and they obviously realised oh, that's the worst yeah oh god helping people that's nuts uh, so they, 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 they pick up this immediately realising that's a terrible idea and throw them right into the middle of a great old conflict just off the bat so will I continue to watch it yes will I enjoy will it you? no not really but I, I feel like like the zombies in this I should shamble mindlessly onwards unstopping undying unrelenting because that's what I'm here for is Fear the Walking Dead better than The Walking Dead? Absolutely now, not. Oh, there okay. was a period when it was. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Because there was a bit when, when you were in the, the midst of all that Negan nonsense, uh, which was just went on for far too long, uh, and The Walking Dead did some interesting things. Mm. But no, Fear the Walking Dead has since um, become tedious. Okay. So good, to, good go. to have that confirmed. Right, so we've done a little bit of what we're watching, a little bit of news there, but, uh, you know, just to mix things up. <laughs> Shall we move on now to Funny or Dire? Yes, let's do that. Um... This is, of course, our weekly attempt to sieve a few traces of humour from an episode of classic comedy. And this week, coming courtesy of A, a number of people who suggested the show, B, me, as this has been on my to-watch list for some time, and C, Google, which helped identify the episode, Series 2, Episode 4, University Challenge, as apparently, quote-unquote, the best, or at least one of them, uh, which I thought was necessary to kind of break the tiebreaker, because lots of different people suggested lots of different episodes. But anyway, we went along with this. I have never seen Peep Show. Uh, Sam Bain came on the Empire Podcast once. I was forced to confess to him (laughs) I'd never seen it, so I've been meaning to watch it since then. And I did... And my first note that I wrote down while watching this is Peep Show, more like Creep Show. (laughs) And that's my review. Wow. (laughs) Terry's just despairing. I was quite proud of that. (laughs) Anyway, uh, you were really proud. You being proud of it was better than the actual joke. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose my issue with this is I was unprepared for how unbelievably unlikable the two main characters are like they are horrendous human beings it is so creepy and stalky and i was just i was like i was really really blindsided by this and i spoke to some people in the office about this to try and get some context and they were like no 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 it's fine that's fine because that's the reaction you're supposed to have because they are objectively terrible humans like jez is just a ridiculous selfish dickhead and then mark is a little bit creepy and stalky and you know he's that's who he's supposed to be so i was like okay fine but remember can i just point something out before you continue yes this show is all built around their internal monologues right it is i mean so the stuff they say in their that you have in your head that's fine like you're allowed to have well that's partly the point of it is is looking at the mask well it's partly the point of it is these blokes 
um, who obviously a lot of part of the time are wanting sex and relationships with women, you know, um, and what they say about that in their internal monologue. And I think so, you know, I'm kind of, it's different to, it's it's different, it's, pretty, it's definitely different to a show where it's just about dialogue out loud. I think that's definitely a key element of the whole fucking thing. I might let you get away with that for the, but I won't for the simple reason that the most egregious lines were spoken aloud okay. as dialogue. Fine. Uh, there's the bit when they're both singing a song, which includes the line, there's no quim like the quim down in Darty. Uh, speaking about Dartford University, uh, was it Dartmouth, Dartmouth, Dartmouth University, Dartmouth. Uh, and then there's and then there's a bit where Mark says of the girl who let's be honest, so he's a he's a man in his I'm going to say twenties, isn't it? He's like a it's like a, a loan adjustment manager, whatever he is, and Early he goes 30s, into a shoe. So this is the plot of this: he goes into a shoe shop to get some shoes fitted, and the shop assistant, who let's generously say is eighteen, he thinks is quite fit, so he stalks her down to the university she goes to, pretends to be a student to try and have sex with her, and at one point, while describing her, says, and I quote, she's got the magical combo of beauty and low self-esteem. And I was just like, I need a shower after watching this episode. It was just, it was horrible. But this I could. This is why I didn't watch Peep Show, so I tried to watch one episode. And, and Boyd, while I totally get what you're saying, that not that kind of a convenient excuse to allow kind of... I understand that it's meant to be the unfiltered, uncensored, but, um, I mean, I personally like to believe that there's slightly more to men um, yeah, I mean, than that. Not... And, and yeah. also, the female characters in it are there as objects or their sidekicks. It doesn't particularly rank well in terms of any kind of... F- proper female representation. Um, I think the female characters, I think the, the female characters played by Olivia Coleman and you know and Izzy Sooty particularly. You won't call them sidekicks to the two main characters. Well, it's a sitcom entirely about these two guys. Exactly, yeah. yeah, I mean, of course, yeah. So they end up being slightly sidekicks, but I would defend it in the sense that you know. I mean, if it's not an ensemble piece, it's about those two people, and I, yeah. I think I think <laughs> you're looking at me like, yeah, right. Yeah. No, but, no, I agree. It is, yeah. and, it, and that's, this is like entirely representative of a of a particular time in comedy when it was it is. all about. Oh, about oh yeah, I, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. But Absolutely. Yeah. So what? What? When did what Peep Show? What is its era? What were the years it ran? When, when is it's it? When, in two thousand and three, it started, and then kind of went all the way up to about two thousand fifteen because there'd been breaks in between okay. nine series. Okay. So it doesn't get to get out of jail. And it, I'll say that. this, right? I wouldn't have chosen this episode because and, it's creepy. Yeah, because it and the creepy. You're definitely not meant to. You're not meant to approve of the creepiness. Yes. I mean that is. I absolutely. Got I got you that. have to separate. And you don't have to. Like Red Dwarf, no. one of my favourite comedies, has objectively hate yeah. like, awful characters. And the it. show is all about judging these two yes. fucking doofuses. Yes. You know, for what they are. But what I will say is, I would have picked from the final series because the final series, very interestingly, and I think quite boldly, um, Jez ends up going gay in the final series and falls for a guy really? and they did that really well yeah and I do think Sam Bain and Jesse Armstrong the writers of it well you know I, I, I love Peep Show and I loved it from the beginning through to the end so I'm saying that now but I do think they went ended up in a really interesting place right at the end and I think that was a very that was a great way of ending interesting yeah. I'm, I'm quite, that makes spoiler me quite, alert that makes me interested <laughs> to actually watch it no, yeah you should no, definitely I, honestly watch like f- two, the few yeah I mean as we spoke about before it's quite hard to parachute into the middle of a series and pick yeah. this stuff up I will not I will say I did think this was well written there were some great lines in this uh, I liked uh, there was a bit where Jez says to him when they're being arrested for shoplifting he said we could say I was in your thrall like Hindley and I was like oh Christ <laughs> it did make me laugh though weirdly the grabbing his bollocks on stage part also made me laugh I'm not quite sure why uh, 
the POV kissing was deeply upsetting. I don't ever. Oh, wait! You get to POV sex. Oh my god! Don't need that either. But I've written all my notes of things like creepy exclamation mark. He's capital letters horrendous. I was really. I I found I found Mark in particular very hard. It's funny because like Mitchell and Webb separately, you know, are quite likable guys. Oh yeah. But in this, it's quite difficult to overlook the creepiness. Um, but as you say, like it's it's a it's a well written comedy. It is not unfunny. Peter Capaldi and it was I not found unfunny. quite entertaining. Look, hey, for me this is high praise. Yeah. Did you, so did you laugh? All of this debate about so, okay. everything yeah, is yeah. like, did, did you I laugh? laugh? There was a bit where I went. Pah! Like that. That's Does a that cough. count? No, but that, that <laughs> was there was a, a an, an, an an exhalation prompted by amusement. Does that count? What is the definition of laughter? Oh, we probably say. should have locked this up <laughs> yeah. nine months ago it's because it would premise. have saved us so much. I did time. make a noise that was prompted <laughs> by mirth. Okay, then like a, I think that's a laugh. Yeah, so that was when they grabbed uh, when they grabbed Jez's bollocks on stage and and, and he said that. So that that. So, yeah, so well done, Sam Bain and Jesse Armstrong. You've triumphed in Funny or Dire. I'm sure your careers are now complete. You've got a cough. You've got a cough. Well done. Uh, next week's subject comes to us from Adam Snape and is Silicon Valley, Season 1, Episode uh-huh. 8, the episode Optimal Tip-to-Tip Efficiency. Now, this came with a caveat that it's an ongoing story, so I might be lost jumping into the finale of Season 1, but uh, hey-ho, that's never stopped me before. <laughs> so tune in next week to find out what happened with that one. News time. So we have already waded into the Picard stuff, so we will call news a Picard-free zone for this week and this week alone. Um, but we should talk about some of the other things that came out of Comic-Con, if only briefly. So the Watchmen trailer dropped. Did we watch the Watchmen trailer? I did, yeah. yeah. Yes. Very interesting. I, I'm, I'm still slightly <laughs> bemused by it. But it, it, for me, it, it recaptured a lot of the sort of feelings that... Feelings? Like, the feelings. feelings. Your feelings. That I got from my feelings <laughs> that I got from Zack Snyder's movie, which I very, very much enjoy. So yeah, right, I, I was going to mention this. So it, I, I would have thought, right, if you're going to create a Watchmen trailer mm. for a series mm. that surely needs to separate itself from the film, this doesn't. It, it the, the funeral bits with yeah. the flag. I was like, this is literally, this is so reminiscent. I, I thought it was a weird creative. Decision. Well, I like I like the bridge. I like the sort of the the sort of contextual, almost sort of like um. What's the word I'm looking for? The aesthetic bridge between the film and the series, because it anchors in that for me. Because you've got Alan Moore saying, "I denounce these series," and uh, Damon Lindelof like go- and Damon Lindelof going, "Meh." But so, he denounces it. He doesn't like any. He, yeah, he denounces any, the film. any he, yeah. film or yeah. TV adaptation. Anything yeah. he's ever done, he intrinsically finds. Yeah, he's offensive. a proper grump. Mm. But I just think, wouldn't you? This is a completely different proposition from a different, completely different type of yeah. creative but, lead person, the showrunner, Damon Lindelof. Mm. Um, I just thought it was odd. But don't you think it adds loads of of safety in in terms of the fans, right? Because the film was well received. So as James says, I think as soon as you put those elements of echo and recognition in there, it, it... People feel, I think with all of these things, it's fear. Oh, God, are they going to ruin it? Yeah. And actually, that is, I just thought the trailer was massively reassuring, yeah, because actually. Yeah. That film did something very unusual. Like, it, like, this is the Bible of graphic novels, Watchmen is. And the film, while it wasn't necessarily a huge commercial success, fans were like, you know what? You, mm. you, you did good by us. Well done. And they felt 
you know, heard in the, that's in the their best concerns. you're gonna get. That's the best you're yeah. gonna get. Well done. Yeah. So you know, and to, I think that's not a bad sort of sentiment to carry with you as you go into. A yeah, TV I guess series. it was part. Of, you're absolutely right, and that makes so sense. Part of me just thinking the creator of one of the greatest TV series of all time, The Leftovers. Yeah. You know, to follow felt, your own. Path. Yeah, I felt yeah. like, but mm. I mean, I'm sure in the actual series when we see it all play out, hopefully it will mm. be. That now, Lynn Love is amazing. I'm, I'm a big fan of his work, and I'm going to definitely be watching this. So, oh, yeah, uh, so. other other comic conny stuff now. Obviously, Marvel announced the whole of Phase Four. Which included many movies and many TV series. You no, know I didn't pay any attention to the TV. <laughs> Did you not? <laughs> I was well. I'm so excited like, about the title Blade, of the Doctor Strange Eternals, film. I could love and thunder. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, there was a lot, a lot there. There is a a. We did do a sort of, in many ways, joint Empire pilot <laughs> podcast. Me and Chris and Helen and Ben put together where oh, we talked through the whole of Phase Four Marvel TV film and all. So you can download that on the Empire podcast feed uh, now. I would think. Um, but uh, just looking at the TV stuff, so we. We saw. I mean, they, we talked. They talked about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. They talked about WandaVision, Hawkeye, and Loki, which are kind of the four, uh, the four sort of big shows. Not including What If, which is the kind of animated. Or they're using all the voice talent from the films. The animated one, looking at alternate realities of what would have happened if something different mm. had happened in the in the MCU. Um, what's interesting to me about this, and I find very reassuring, is these are limited series. So these are not ongoing mm. concerns, and it does make sense given the people involved. But I like that you know eight part limited series concrete short-term arc and then this fits neatly into the mcu because regardless of how one feels about agents of shield i think one of the big problems there is it is very much a left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing you know they're having to react to what's happening on the big screen the big screen is largely ignoring what's happening on agents of shield and even though technically it's part of the same timeline the same way that the netflix shows are it just doesn't feel part of the same thing and i feel doing these as limited series means that they can clearly slot them into the movie timeline and these will then feel part of it but also they'll feel like essential viewing which they otherwise wouldn't have been it is the absolute only way they can keep control of the universe and keep it consistent and because if if it wasn't a limited series and it just ran around you'd have that essentially driving what could happen on the big screen and then you'd have to be making massive decisions about your film and trying to feed that into this ongoing hurtling train over here Mm. absolutely limited series is the right way to go but let's be frank Kevin Feige kind of raced through those things I think we've all got more questions than we have answers is, you know, one division. What the fuck? I mean, this, there are about eighty-four questions just about mm. that alone. All we really know is, um, you know, the first one is what October next year, yeah, and then it kind of rolls out through twenty twenty-one. Um, mm. But um, we should expect loads more specifics. You'd hope. You would hope. You'd hope. These are all Disney Plus shows. All you should Disney mention Plus. that, uh, which we still don't know. Uh, uh, Anything about? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is interesting. The Captain America shield forms part of the logo. So you've got to imagine that it's going to be the Falcon kind of learning to be the new Captain America. And that will probably bridge into some films. WandaVision feels a little bit like uh, televisual therapy. <laughs> uh, since she is a master of reality manipulation, I feel that it's going to be not actual vision but her vision of vision oh god uh, because of course you're missing a, an infinity stone uh hawkeye of course the least helpful avenger he gets his own uh, <laughs> show he's gonna be training up a character who's quite famous from the comic books um but uh i don't know i'm uh i, I yeah i'm sure he'll be shooting the odd arrow and then loki loki's an interesting one so the uh the, sure the lo- the he'll be that shooting the odd arrow because that's what like hawkeye DJ does. from magic yeah. fm yeah <laughs> he'll be shooting a lot of arrows <laughs> uh yes and loki is interesting because the letters are all from different 
there's some serious font action going on oh, in the in Loki the logo, logo where they're, each letter is in a different font. And people think, is this a hint to all the various timelines? He's going to, maybe it is, who knows? But what we do know is that this is the Loki, rather than the Loki that was killed, spoiler by Thanos, uh, this is the Loki that we see in Endgame from the past who takes the space stone and then dematerializes, vanishes mm-hmm. with it. So this will be. And if I was cynical, I would say this will be his adventures with that stone, which will eventually lead him back to the main timeline so that Tom Hiddleston can appear in Thor, Love and Thunder. But we shall see. Uh, so that was that. Now, one, one other thing we haven't mentioned from Comic-Con, a very, very important one. We, of course, saw a full-length Technicolor <laughs> widescreen trailer for The Expanse Season 4. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, which will be with us in December this four. year. Oh, yes. <laughs> Oh, I cannot wait for us to review this on this very podcast. You, you are missing something. What am I missing? Oh, The Witcher. Am I missing The Witcher? No. Because we, we should talk about The Witcher. We should talk about The Witcher. Welcome to the bits of Comic-Con James cares about part of the podcast. I mean, I'm talking about the Westworld trailer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. was fucking epic. Yeah, well, it feels great. less tedious than the previous well, season. Well, it's really so. exciting. You've got Dolores out in the real yeah. world, some kind of futuristic... Funky like, new haircut. Very good directional haircut. Clearly, there's <laughs> some hunting going on. And then Maeve's in a World War Two theme. I know. Park, there's Nazis killing and Nazis. everything, Nazis. kissing boys and killing Nazis. Yeah. It's like fucking yes, thank God. It's, I've got, I've got the feeling this is going to be back. It's on and also, like, didn't it look brilliant? Didn't the creators actually address the fact that it's going to be less fucking confusing yeah. in season two? Yeah. It's almost like they took the criticism that this yes. the last season bored people off their tits uh, seriously, and they've addressed it with some. But action, I think it's Aaron more Paul. that actually it was just dead, dead confusing, and yeah. nobody could get their fucking was, heads around it. Was it. Bewildering. But it had moments and it's of genius. Have a different, it had moments yeah, oh yeah, it had moments of genius and yeah. great episodes some mm. great singing episodes weren't there but overall I found that whole puzzle a puzzle upon puzzle upon puzzle infuriating and they did they yeah. seem to be saying we are not going down that route no. as a whole and as that's a why. way of storytelling yeah. it's not going to be like that and that's, which I, that's the thing that excites me yeah most. well the trailer was really simple but also just it's like it is a different Westworld because you're no longer yeah. in in that landscape in you were West. trapped in <laughs> yeah. for the entire last season apart from Shogun World which apart was from a Shogun, mm. and that was beautiful but fuck me like to be out into mm. a just being in the real world is like I don't know it felt like it, dead exciting a bit of a relief because it got so oppressive yeah. last well, do you season. remember right at the beginning of last season they did have real world stuff didn't they when they do you remember they kind of oh, flashed yeah. yeah and they, and they dropped it yeah. it was really frustrating because yeah. I was thinking right at the time I was thinking oh this is lovely Thank you know, get, yeah. the flashback stuff yeah and that was all early yeah. prototype Dolores yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. Now, like Westworld, although just going back to it, I I'm I am absolutely you'll be su- surprised to hear absolutely here for the Witcher trailer. Like, did, did, mean somebody asked me. Did, we, did you not? Did you watch it? Did you yeah. watch it? And you didn't love it? Couldn't give a fuck. I mean, seriously. I I, re- I really liked it. Well, come I think on, what did lots, you like? I love it. So it's really laid. It's got the characters. You see Yennefer of Vengerberg before she becomes a sorceress. Yennefer of Vengerberg. Siri, Siri, I mean, literally. Siri, of course, the daughter of the Nilfgaardian Emperor. That's, you know, important stuff there. The Nilfgaardian Emperor. You see Geralt having taken some of his mutagen decoctions. I'm missing something about Arsene Wenger and decoction. <laughs> so somebody got the cock cut 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 off cut 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 cut. Awesome baby guys, cut cut off. That's not what I was expecting. And there was a milf somewhere. Yeah. That's what I got from that. Cut cut milf, awesome banger. Cut cut 
Melfort Wenger. Boyd, I expect this kind of thing from Terry. I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Unbelievable. I watched the trailer. It was kind of what... Uh, is there anything you wouldn't expect, though? I mean... I uh, mean, bear in mind, so this is a trailer... I have no idea what's, This is a trailer cut for Comic-Con, so it was quite dense and, let's be honest, inaccessible, <laughs> uh, because it was for a very specific audience. I think if they were putting out a mass internet trailer, they probably would have tried to make it easier oh, to follow. Oh, yeah. Sorry for even watching it. <laughs> yeah. Boyd, <laughs> yeah. you are not one of the Comic-Con um, yeah. geeks. How no. dare what you I'm watch that trailer? It's not aimed at you plebs. It's aimed at people <laughs> like myself, who understand the nuances of high fantasy. God. Oh, God. Huh. Fucking kill me. <laughs> anyway. Um, all right, fine. Here's something you might care about, Terry. Do you see uh, Riverdale has announced that Shannon Doherty and Kerr Smith are joining the cast? <laughs> for, you should explain, their tribute to Luke Perry. Oh. It's for that, yeah. That's the key point you left out. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Jesus wept. <laughs> Especially for their tribute to Luke Perry in the opening episode of the next season. Yeah. Yeah. Well, apparently Perry had been discussing having Doherty on the show uh, prior to his death. Right. Uh, Kerr Smith, of course, being from uh, Dawson's Creek. You must have loved Kerr Smith in in Dawson's Creek. Don't even get me started on Dawson's Creek. I'm feeling quite emotional about it at the moment. Which one was Kerr Smith? Kerr Smith was Jack. Who was the? Who was? Oh, Jack. Jack. Yeah. Oh, he was good. Yeah. Yeah. It was Jack. Jack, Jack, who was gay and had the sister who had the Andy, who was bipolar. I interviewed him once. (laughs) I should remember who he was. Jack, if you just said Jack, Jack. if you just said Jack Jack from Dawson's Creek, I remember Dawson's Creek. All right. Well, fair enough. So that's the thing that's happening. Yeah. Uh, I have some news. So there's a really interesting trending uh, thread on Twitter last night. I don't know if anyone saw this. Somebody who works for Netflix, I'm not sure what he does because he's, oh, yeah. his job title Netflix isn't in his bio. Mm. His name's Jarrett Weiselman. And he put a tweet out. I think it was in response to um, everybody complaining about Tuka and, and Bertie being cancelled and saying they hadn't seen it being marketed or being promoted to them. So he put a tweet out saying, when a Netflix show gets cancelled, you didn't promote the show is something we hear a lot but what does that mean to you and he was asking people does that mean you haven't seen an ad or it hasn't been put to you on Twitter he got he got 3,000 so far at last count 3,500 comments from Netflix users all saying uh, you don't promote it it doesn't come up in my new on Netflix or it doesn't come up in trending I don't see it on your social media accounts or I don't I just hear about it from word of mouth and Netflix replies too much on replies replies (laughs) Realise. 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 too much on word of mouth it was really really interesting because he kind mm. of went oh you know really interested to hear all the views there's no wrong answers and literally the internet just ran at him and it was one of those amazing uh, ratio things where like yeah th- 3,500 comments later I thought it was really interesting because that had been a lot of the talk this week was shows like that get cancelled a lot of people feel unfairly because they don't get presumably the viewing figures but people are saying well I didn't even know it existed yeah. and we talked before about you know um, sometimes the volume of stuff or the certain stuff that's given priority, you do miss stuff on Netflix. And it, it's interesting that they're trying to engage with people on why they're not seeing stuff. And that he was kind of saying, oh, well, we promote it on individual kind of either genre specific or whatever Twitter accounts, not the main Netflix accounts. It's it kind of an interesting insight into the way that they do or don't promote mm. But it was also the timing of it because this is the week where they had bad results. Yes. Um, the first time they had a decline they, in subscribers in did. America. They went up a bit globally but not as much as they said they would go up. 2.7 million. They I missed their target. They missed their they? target. It's more, obviously they've put their prices up which I think has... You well, know, that would be partly sh- why. Yeah, that, yeah, and that's what they're saying. But I th- but also, of course, everyone's going, well, you know, in, in a year's time you're going to have three, four 
other rival streaming services all mm. having started all with big libraries well not as probably not as big a libraries as they've got but with libraries and loads of new content as well i i, th- I do think netflix is in a massively weird kind of slightly um slightly contradictory state at the moment where for me their usb is their stuff that they make themselves their original stuff and of course there's he also i think people also had to go in for that they brand everything in original even when yeah. they've acquired it <laughs> so obviously from the bbc or whoever but their stuff they actually do commission and create themselves i'm going to say it like the oa yeah they there is so much of it that they do inevitably not publicise thing. They do prioritise one thing. We know this, you know, particularly because, mm. you know, we get told on various levels of being told about stuff coming <laughs> yes. up. It's really interesting. Very much so. So, for example, Glow is coming out, right? Glow, the final season is coming up. Now, I'm saying that that has not been pub- heavily publicised at all compared to when it started, right? And I don't know, and that, clearly that must be something to do with compa- comparing the number of people who watch that to, say, watch Stranger Things, which is hell for leather, quite yeah. rightly on Stranger Things, probably the, the most successful thing on Netflix. So, but for me, when you've got a streaming service that's so reliant, particularly as it will be going forward in comparison to all its rivals, with so much great new, exciting content, to, to actually not heavily publicise every single fucking new thing you've got is just weird. Because mm. that's all right. People watch Friends repeats, but Friends is disappearing. Friends, don't even talk to me about that. I'm like, it's, I'm. Do you know I'm binge watching it at the moment right. on Netflix because I'm like know, yeah. pa- panicked right. about it's, it leaving. Yeah, it's going to leave. So what I'm saying is, the one thing they can stay there forever, and everything they commission does stay there in perpetuity forever. Why? Why? Why do pick and choose what you promote? It's, I find it odd, and I don't understand. No. And for me, the what that what could make it really unique is if they didn't decommission stuff just because not enough people happen to watch the first series of a really brilliant animated show, which is the one people mm. compared to. If they don't, and I'm saying it, I'd say every single fucking week, if they don't commission the third season of the hour, I will. It will be like, what the fuck is the point of you? Because this you've created one of the most brilliant original TV series ever, and if you then don't support it and keep commissioning it, then it's kind of pointless. You hear anything, Ted Sarandos? You will make a permanent. <laughs> enemy of yeah. Boyd Hilton if you yeah. cancel the OA just yeah. be very aware of what you're doing but I think uh, it's a fascinating moment in Netflix history right yeah. now well, they made some other enemies this week didn't they they cancelled Designated Survivor That's which a, yeah. no longer lives up to its name yeah. so this was one that cancelled on this was cancelled on, on network TV and it was moved to Netflix yeah. Netflix quote unquote saved it and, and I think, Ke- and that only because Kiefer Sutherland mentioned that he didn't think there was going to be any more interviewed on Bauer Radio, Scala, classical station, interviewed by Simon Mayer, and he just kind of like, I don't think there's going to be any more. And that was like again, kind of just seeped out in a, in a slightly unsatisfactory manner because that has got a huge fan base. That show, it does. Yeah. Well, I thought it did. Maybe well, not well, huge. Yeah. But and we'll never know what the ratings were and why. No. But presumably, not enough people watched it. So, end of that. Um, there was a there was a cast member. Amazon announced the first cast member oh, yeah. for. Look at it. Terry's rolling her eyes because she can see this coming. <laughs> and I'd love to be able to say, well, Terry, actually, I'm talking about Shane Meadows' new show, and I think you'll be fascinated to hear that uh, Markella Kavanagh will be playing an elf in the new <laughs> Shane Meadows Lord. Of, no, it's the Lord of the Rings series. I'd love so, Shane Meadows' yeah. Lord of the Rings. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Wouldn't it? Oh. That's like, got to happen. Just ca- let him direct an episode. It'd be like ca- the Council of Elrond, and like Elrond goes home and starts beating up his wife, and it all gets really sort of dark, and it's just like, oh, God knows. Uh, see, anyway, yeah, so Markella Kavanagh has been cast in. Uh, Who is, and Yeah, I did see that. I hadn't really heard of her. Yeah, she's she in uh, Picnic Hanging Rock. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, but her character's called Tyra. We don't know what she is. We don't know anything about it. Is that a leak or an actual official announcement? It's quite weird to announce. Yeah, it was on Variety. It's official, 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 official. 
Fine. So that's that's the thing. Did uh, you see the much more interesting Janelle Manai announcement? Yes. Yes. She's going to be the lead in the next series of Homecoming, which I loved Homecoming with Julia Roberts. Julia mm. Roberts not in it. And she's going to be, she's playing a woman, a tenacious woman who finds herself floating in a canoe with no memory of how she got there. <laughs> Count me in. Janelle Manai in a canoe. I'm in. Oh my God, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I would like to say for the record, my mother did not enjoy Homecoming. I'm oh. a, I didn't love it either, didn't but you? now oh. this has made me way mm, more yeah, excited. Yeah, yeah. Season two. My mum said it was very confusing. She said, I've been skipping between the episodes. I was like, oh, that might be why. Well, she skipped confusing. between episodes. <laughs> I think she got bored because it was confusing, <laughs> so she skipped forward a bit, but I think Never then skip. found it more confusing. Skip. But I don't think she's going to be watching the uh, mm. the next season, regardless of okay. whether Janelle Monáe is in a canoe. Fine. So. I mean, the whole thing was like an eight, eight, however many hour tribute to Brian De Palma, which is fine by me. Yeah. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, yeah, I'm excited about that. Yeah, there's a TV series in development at Hulu. Uh, Hulu. (laughs) Hulu. Uh, So that's, you know, this is a thing I'm down for. I must admit, like, did either of you enjoy the Hitchhiker's film? No. 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 Uh, Because I loved it. I think anybody did. No. The the original series was absolutely, I loved it, but the original cheap, incredibly cheap, was one of my favourite things. Absolutely. That was great. When I was a lad. Uh, When I went, yeah. In 1937. (laughs) Back in in the dark ages. (laughs) When Boyd was I in his I remember prime. like it was yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's the thing that's But it's got good creators in it. Who, who's working it's on Colton it? Cuse. Colton Cuse. Yeah. It's Colton Cuse. That's it. Yeah. I knew it was someone. Uh, and Jason Fuchs as well. So, Any other news? Uh, no. No. We are all out of news. <laughs> right. On to this week's reviews. Uh, first up this week is I Am The Night, a six-part miniseries that aired in the US in January and tells the story of Fauna Hodel, and in fact it's based on her autobiography. It's a true story. She grew up as Pat Greenwade, uh, the mixed-race daughter of a black single mother, only to discover that her true parentage is, shall we say, slightly more complicated. Uh, meanwhile, Chris Pine co-stars in this as a kind of bottom-feeding reporter, and both of their stories collide when they're drawn into the orbit of an L.A. doctor and socialite called George Odell and the gruesome case of the Black Dahlia murder. Uh, this is directed by Patty Jenkins of Wonder Woman fame. Terry, what did you make of I Am the Night? Mm. <laughs> so, um, the bits I thought were really good. I thought the actress India Isley, I think yeah. is her name, is extraordinary. She? she so holds this entire thing and I have to say the weak link for me until the very end is Chris Pine. I was so not compelled by him and his story and you do have these two in the first episode you have these two threads running separately which is um, her and her mother. There's an incredible scene in the kitchen where she starts to uncover um, the truth about her parentage and her, mo- her mum, her adopted mum, is an alcoholic. Mm. It's this incredible scene where they're up against each other. Um, and we should mention Golden Brooks, who plays her mother, her adopted mother, Jimmy Lee. She put the, the two of them just put in this extraordinary performance. This set piece is like astonishing going at each other, tearing chunks out of each other, just brilliant. The um, uh, dialogue is incredible. We should give a shout out to Sam Sheridan, who's a series writer. Mm. Um, As you say, Patty Jenkins is uh, exec producer and is directing three of the six episodes. And I found that kind of story super compelling. Alongside it, you have this story of Chris Pine, who once was a fated reporter and is now sunk to be kind of being a... uh, bottom-feeding paparazzi slash kind of reporter. And he he kind of plays it a bit for laughs at the beginning, and that kind of doesn't really work for me. As the 
episode unfolds, this kind of, he, he taps into this much darker element. There's one scene in particular, which is like really surprising when it actually happens because you realise how low he's fallen and how um, broken he is. And that actually, I suddenly, I was really interested. I was like, actually, this... How they're going to intersect, and, mm. and it kind of begins to happen at the end of the episode, how that's going to intersect, where the fucking Black Dahlia stuff comes from. <laughs> I'm like, this is a lot, right? Is. This is a fucking mm. lot. So I'm kind of m- mixed on it in terms of, I thought there were some incredible performances, a compelling story clearly coming out. Bits of it didn't quite work. I got a little bit bored in places, to be honest. Um Am I going to watch a second episode? I'm not too sure. Yeah. See, I, I found it interesting, but a little meandering and tedious. Uh, it was took far too long to get going. And from what I understand, they, the characters don't even intersect for the first couple of episodes. And then apparently the last two is when it really gets going. Mm. But you've got to get through four to get there. And frankly, I have neither the time nor the patience. Uh, I thought there were some interesting moments in this. I thought, so the fact that uh, Fauna slash Pat is mixed race is interesting the way that she's sort of semi-segregated in Nevada in her school the way they have she sits on the table for black kids and then but she clearly doesn't look black and there's in and there's, and there's how she's treated by the white students who aren't sure how to treat her and then how she fits into her peer which is the the black kids I, I found all of that really interesting especially the bit where she's kissing her boyfriend and the police pull her over and start roughing that because they think he's kissing a white yeah. girl and then she says and, and they're like, like what are you doing with this colored boy and she says i'm colored sir and then the police don't really know what to do and like which is it showed you there's a there's a really interesting sort of bit of nuance there that i don't think you see all that often mm. well it was interesting what you're saying because it, what it does dig into is the kind of some of the stigma around being light-skinned mm. yes. and it, it kind of looked into that which was a really interesting nuance but it's interesting to see like when you're almost not accepted by one group or accepted by the other group and where do you fall yeah. oh, I mean, and it shows you how arbitrary these groupings can be and it's completely about the fact that the racism of American society when when you know when all the, the colour and shade of your skin is yeah. a big issue yeah. 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 and it deals Absolutely. with that very Absolutely. very interesting yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I found it v- weird I found it really odd the scene in the first episode where Chris Pine's in the mortuary <laughs> in the yeah. hospital yeah. and he starts laughing yeah. and Oh, and you're and you're right. As it goes on, the portrayal of him that he's got, you know, big issues. You know, he's got he's suffering from trauma and, and all drug of that, dependency, drug dependency. Mm. But initially, you're like, why is this being played for laughs? Yeah, is it, the- you know, it was really odd, and I found that scene ridiculous actually and I thought that was kind of misjudged because alright later on you think okay there's a kind of explanation for it but it kind of just took me out of the whole mm. story and um, and his performance I think as as has been directed presumably is is also odd and kind of bounces between lots of different things yeah. But in the end, because I actually did watch the second and, and half of the third episode, it does get better. But it's is way too slow. There's a lot of there's quite a lot of repetition. So we know, you know, so once there, there are flashbacks of his trauma, wartime mm. trauma, which I thought was, was were you know t- too repetitive. And kind of once you know he is troubled, that's fine. That's all you need to know. Move on and get him together with her, so they can then investigate. Which is, kind of does eventually what happen. And once once they're both investigating. Her, what happened to her? And this extraordinary figure of this real-life guy in Hollywood who was a gynecologist and what he did and that whole mm. sordid, nasty, 
business is fascinating, and I was really intrigued by that. It's a re- it's like an spectacularly interesting stuff, but they slightly fumble it because they make it they do make it a bit boring at various stages. And you think this is really juicy, interesting, which is an incredible story, and to kind of in within six hours to make it a bit dull at various moments, and then other times to make it completely over the top and bonkers, mm. which it is, which it does get, is is just odd. Yeah, so I mean the the scene where you first meet her grandfather or you first yeah. see him, you've yeah, heard yeah, him yeah. on the phone. Yeah. They set up the scene. It takes really... there's this tracking shot, and it takes. <laughs> Yeah. ages and it keeps cutting away it's and like then the you aviator. go back and I was like oh my god yeah. and it was, they invested all this time and lavishness in it and I was like what just know, happened right at and the, the music is incredible know. you know what it reminded me of the, the Brian De Palma film of The Black Daily is demented and over the top and it's almost like they felt a bit like they're paying tribute to that maybe I don't know because maybe. that is a crazy film and this does have various cra- Connie Nielsen in it playing mm. the, the dude's ex-wife or whatever is, her performance is unbelievably over the top it is spectacular and yet she's really underplaying it the main character is really underplaying mm. it and it's great and it's totally yeah. believable everyone else is going left going going off the deep end <laughs> anyway well that is I Am The Night make of that what you will uh, that airs on Alibi a channel that I'm assured does exist it's uh, on, on UK TV <laughs> on Thursday August the 1st at 9pm uh, next oh that- can I say one more thing oh, about on. it because uh, the thing about Alibi is they do show these true crimes so they show Waco as well which we reviewed yeah. I did feel like a, a, a true crime story set this far in the past I, I felt much more safer watching that <laughs> than something based on something that happened like you know t- two years ago or three years ago and I think, okay. you know, if you're going to do true crime, then why not do think really interesting yeah. stories from the 60s? Anyway, carry on. Next up, we have Manifest. This is created by Jeff Rake and produced by Robert Zemeckis. Uh, this one aired in the States in September of 2018. So we are cutting edge here on this podcast <laughs> as ever. Uh, however, I am, of course, pleased to report that, uh, unlike Deadly Class, uh, this latecomer has actually been renewed for a second season. So at least people get to see what happens. This show stars Melissa Roxburgh and Josh Dallas, among a wider cast, who play passengers on the ill-fated Montego Flight 828 from Jamaica to New York, which hits some turbulence and arrives five years after it took off, leaving the bewildered passengers to adjust to this world which has kind of long presumed them dead. Uh, essentially, I guess this is as if Thanos' snap was restricted to just one plane. Mm-hmm. This is my analysis of the mm. whole show. It's basically, it's the blip in microcosm. So what's more uh, in this, their experiences have been more than just vanishing and reappearing because they start to hear strange voices indicating that something is amiss and a little bit supernatural. Uh, It all sounds, and let's be honest, is utter drivel. Uh, But you will not be surprised to hear, and while this is clearly not a good show, I rather enjoyed it. I did. I'm sorry. I mean... So they're pitching this, I guess, as the kind of new Lost, partly because it's a mystery, partly because it involves a plane. It's probably more than you flash forward, if I'm honest with you. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. That lasted long. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Joseph Fiennes. And, uh, and so this is... Uh, so the mystery of this... The mystery of this... I thought was quite interesting. The introducing in episode two, which I'm sure neither of you watched, of this kind no. of shadow man character made me think, hmm, what's going on here? But I don't, I feel, I wonder, like, have they actually thought this through? It's another one they're just making up as they go along. I genuinely don't know. And let's be honest, I'm never going to find out. But, uh, but I was curious. I wanted to know not so much where they'd been, but I found the idea of slotting back into your life, having been missing for five years, a really interesting one. And not just because I'd spent so much time in between Infinity War and Endgame 
Endgame, and indeed post-Endgame, and Spider-Man Far From Home, thinking about that exact thing, you know, when people vanish and then reappear, but the world has moved on, and people have aged, and people's lives have moved on, and then you come back and are expected to pick up your life where you left off like so you've got people who's like there's one where there's uh two twins little little boy little girl uh the little boy was on the plane he comes back is still a child and his twin is now a teenager and that's a really interesting dynamic people who come back and their partners have obviously moved on because it's been half a decade but for them they left them yesterday and i really like the human drama there i thought was fascinating however and i can't emphasize this enough they fumble the shit out of it like it's a really interesting idea that is so cack handed and so clumsily handled some of the dialogue in this is absolutely exquisite Excruciating. Like there's one where an FBI agent turns to her boss and goes, Director, no one on board that plane aged a day. So like, thanks very much for underscoring the blindingly obvious. Uh, I a- liked the line, I'm a cop. I know what a felony is. I know. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of that in there i mean they spoon feed you this shit and even like sort of the emotional back and forth is so so sort of cloth eared yeah i mean it, it it really is very very first base and the family stuff incredibly heavy-handed uh there's a voiceover at the beginning the main character i think it's uh is it melissa roxburgh does this voiceover and i was like no 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 make it stop make the voiceover stop it was just oh, it yeah. was horrible oh, and the dialogue was just clanging and Look, it's kind of shocking, isn't it? But 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 I, you know, I watched the second episode. That's all I'm going to say. I I watched the second one. Uh, well, I really liked it. Did you? Yes. <laughs> so it's utter nonsense. I also wrote the dialogue is terrible. Oh, isn't it? None of the actors are in any way memorable. Or I mean, <laughs> no. I couldn't have told you what, who was the lead and who wasn't because no. I just didn't give a fuck. The, the way they handle this voices in the head thing, there's, the, there's a bit where it involves some dogs, which is just the most ridiculous, ridiculous plot manipulation you've ever seen. Um, I'm not invested in any of them, and yet I couldn't stop watching it. And the human drama that you speak of is really, really, really compelling. It's, it's, Even though it's I don't care about the characters. It's the soap opera-ness it of it, is, isn't it? It's, it's soapy, it's, yeah. This is it. It's the home and awayness that you just think, yeah. hang on, but he's come back to his wife, but she's been shifty <gasps> she's got a secret boyfriend she's, and she hasn't told him a bit where she, we won't say who but she ignores her phone and i'm like you are up to no good he was only gone five years i know yeah and then and then of course like she comes back and she goes and her boyfriend proposed to her when she got on a plane she comes off she's gonna say yes but no he's actually married her best friend that's a spoiler yeah, is it is. though yes it is isn't that quite yeah. early on you hear that halfway through the episode oh come on let's who cares? It's aired in 2018. I found that to be a blow. I was like, her best friend. Could you have not chosen anyone else? (laughs) I mean, it's utter utter shy. more of it in episode two. There's a magic violin in episode two. Magic violin? Oh, don't ask. But it seems to me like... I I, I loved how long it took to play out the thing that she has visions of the thing in the... Yeah, they drew that out. drawing it out. I thought this was just the lost thing where you've got like however many hundred people on the plane. I thought it was going to be each episode would be like the backstory of one of these people. That I mean, I've only watched. There's still time for that. It doesn't seem like that's where they've gone because it's more or less the same people in episode two. But it seems.
seems to be like a weird formula uh, where they use, like, the family drama unfolds, but while that's happening, they use their newfound clairvoyant powers to solve crimes. Like, like they do it in the first one, but there's another one in the second one where they, another character uses the voice in his head to solve a crime. Oh, that's just a whole other series. So, is that what this is? Is it just going to settle into a procedural of crime? Oh, fuck. It's part lost-based weird supernatural mystery, part part slightly strange procedural. Um, I mean, maybe that's just the first two episodes. Who knows? And I'm never going to find out. It has been recommissioned. There's a whole yes, new, yeah. like, 18 episodes I'm in the way. Watch, I'm going to watch it all. You're going to watch the rest yeah, of it? Of you know, I the am. pilot was the biggest hit of the new season on American was TV. It? Yeah, the single biggest show. So there's still a lot of, you know, the people have got I a lot of time. the pilot who flew the plane. No, 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 the pilot. It's confusing. It's confusing. The pilot of the fucking plane-based. The plane-based. He didn't really do that. I mean, he had that one half-decent line. Yeah, one of the few half-decent lines. But it does show you there's still thirst for these these lost style mysteries in yeah. the hope that they're going to fucking explain what the hell's going on unlike they did in Lost yeah, yeah. and it did, it did remind you how incredibly brilliant that first episode of Lost was when they really lavished millions on it and it was kind of really well written and done and this isn't no. but it doesn't matter because it's, when it's all about a really really fun premise a kind of you know an eye catching mystery like this it's kind of actually is all about the plot and the, you know keeping you interested and I was interested as well yeah I yeah. enjoyed it yeah no, I agree with you. Uh, also, I wrote down in my notes, I wrote, Prez Belusky, Mr. Prez, which is very exciting. This Jim True Frost makes an appearance, and that is ex- <laughs> yeah. perhaps the high okay. point of the episode for me. Um, so, yeah, Manifest, it's awful and yet strangely compelling. So, you know, roll the dice, have a go, see what happens. Uh, there'll be a series two, so it might be worth your time. This one debuts on Sky One on Tuesday, the 30th of July at 9 p.m. Um, and I think they're putting it all out as a thing. As a oh, are they? So can, maybe why they waited so long. You can bin- so it's quite I mean, they didn't need to wait like <laughs> eight months. Well, there's a lot of episodes. I think it's 16 episodes. Yeah. Well, you can binge them all, and Terry undoubtedly will do. Um, so that's Manifest. Also this week, we have Fossey Verdon. This is an eight-part miniseries, uh, which aired in April in the US, and so not as far back as uh, September last year. But this one stars Sam Rockwell and Michelle Williams as director-slash-choreographer Bob Fosse and actor-slash-dancer Gwen Verdon in this true story of the pair's sort of tumultuous professional and indeed personal relationship. Uh, Boyd, do you want to be Lord of the Dance on this one? <laughs> I I couldn't get on with this. The, do you know what? Yeah. This, uh, this should be catnip for me because yeah. I, I love, you know, I'm not a big musician, but I love cabaret. I love, I'm very interested in film directors and their partners, and when yeah. you know, partners are incredibly legendary choreographer dancers. Um, it's got a great cast, um, but do you know what I felt? I think I think it just it's so free form. So this, there are eight episodes, and I've watched mm. the first two, and it basically dances around the timeline relentlessly mm. and doesn't really stick to anything. Cleverly, though. it's no, It's got some, some lovely of... moments. There's a bit where when Michelle Williams, she knocks on the door and then it opens the door yeah. and it's a different time. I, I quite know. like that. Quite cleverly, but also quite gimmickly, if I can use <laughs> That's not a word. And I found it quite tiresome. And I don't know, and I shouldn't really find it tiresome. Do you know what? I actually, and, and it does that thing. So it's, it's called Fosse Verdon. And the whole idea of it, as far as I can make it, at least initially you think, the whole idea of it is to give her, Bob Fosse's, long-suffering wife to use that cliche deliberate use that cliche her ro- role to be highlighted mm. and for her to be put in the spotlight and to get her to get the credit she does because often she you know the story is that she had her own impact on a lot of his classic uh, films and stage musicals and stuff 
But actually, what happens is that she disappears totally into the background, and you're and the whole series is so much more interested in him being this mm. maverick bloke who takes drugs and has sex with women and go behind her back, and is this creative maverick. And it, he's a cliche. And what makes it even more frustrating is if you've seen all that jazz, which is his own film about his own maverickness with Roy Scheider <laughs> as him, which is a brilliant film, by the way, and an inc- and also has a very loose yeah. structure, which this is clearly mimicking. That's all you need to watch. I don't need to bother with it. and like and even the stuff like the detail of making cabaret and he goes to a brothel to find real prostitutes yeah. to play to take part in the that's kind of interesting, but it's just I found it laboured and irritating and the whole and slightly pretentious and annoying. But didn't you I see I had the same reaction to this, but I I it was more that I kept thinking, is it just me? Is it just me? Like this is an award winning, critically lauded mm. miniseries, and yet I found it irritating and couldn't get on with it and was largely bored. But I I found it so underwhelming and I found bizarrely it's probably the only thing I've ever seen Michelle Williams in where I just didn't buy her at all and I didn't buy really either of them and I and that had this amazing kind of effect of I just couldn't connect with it in any way shape or form or really feel invested and their story is absolutely fascinating like you know their what what happened before they got married which I think some of the later episodes dips into mm. the kind of t- tumult of their own marriage he had multiple infidelities which you see in this mm. which is also super kind of like you t- it's it's meant to be all well oh you know he's just been a guy and you know they're up for it and and there's no sense of there being um that tension that you're looking for and you think you're going to get with somebody like Michelle Williams playing Gwen Verdon just isn't really there and it's kind of a very passive role and performance from her um and you know some of the bits where they were kind of staging um the shot they were going to do and it was you know they're obviously shooting cabaret some of that was kind of quite sexy and quite um cool but fundamentally there was nothing there to grab onto and I, I just find it baffling when you do have this story of such intrigue. And, you know, it went on for years. She, they never divorced. They ended up splitting up, but they never divorced. And she was with him the night he died of a heart attack on the streets of New York. Like, they remained this incredible partnership of two people who just were orbiting each other's mm. universes for their entire life. And I didn't even feel that connection between them on screen mm. where you understand the depth of him. I was just like, oh, fuck him off. He's doing my head <laughs> Yeah, you're, completely. You're yeah. looking for this like... Oh, I understand that bond. I understand why she was compelled to stay with him, and I understand the magic. And they gave her a few kind of almost, as Boyd's saying about her getting the credit, she got a few kind of tossing. Oh, yeah, she came up with the outfit for that, but it wasn't in any sense no, re-establishing yeah. who she was and why she was yeah. important. She came across there, as a glorified PA in a, in yeah. a number of ways, and oh. he comes across as he like he lacks charisma or sort of I think magnetism. He, I think Sam Rockwell's. I don't think Sam Rockwell is good. I think he's bad in this thing, and I don't know what. It, and I, he's, he is. I Maybe know he the character supposed to be but, irritating but I was putting on a voice he was trying to but do he was charismatic in real life yeah and, and that's oh, completely. And, and that to and James's he, point that's what's missing is, yeah. is like you understood it yeah. because he was charismatic and he was a genius yeah. you genius don't feel that no, he, no not, not at all. all doesn't come across and no. I was honestly I was with Paul Reiser on this as the kind of really irritated producers like why the fuck did we employ you why are you here 
And I was like, yeah. 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 And those scenes are funny because you're supposed to come away thinking, oh, the directorial genius yeah. is being abused by this shill from the studio. But actually, you're completely on the studio yeah. side because he is fucking annoying and he's not paying attention. Yeah, and he's like, like fire him. Fire him. <laughs> Honestly, all that jazz is all you need. And it, do you know what? The other thing it reminded me of is how good Ryan Murphy is at these things because this yeah. is not a Ryan Murphy series when it feels like a Ryan Murphy. Mm-hmm. In terms of the subject matter, you know, it's the kind of thing he would do yeah. but taking real interesting real-life relationships. You know, the Feud series that he's done, the Gino Versace series he's done. But what? But he actually has very interesting ways of using time. So Gianni Versace was told kind of backwards, effectively. Mm. I know it was written by Tom Rob Smith. And, you know, the, 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 the Feud series are fairly chronological. And I think there's reason for that because you do need that hook. This is because it's all over mm. the place in a pretentious way. You're not, it doesn't hook you. It just doesn't. It's all very well trying to be clever and, you know, get, get, go non-chronological. But it doesn't work. No, that is the Emmy-winning, critically acclaimed <laughs> Fosse Verdon, <laughs> which airs... Emmy-nominated. Emmy-nominated, sorry, sorry. The Emmy-nominated, <laughs> <laughs> critically acclaimed, <laughs> generally lauded Fosse Verdon, which airs on BBC Two on August the 7th at 9pm. Don't bother. Anyway... <laughs> um, <laughs> Also out this week is Justin Simeon's Dear White People, which returns for season three on Netflix. Uh, this is a show that was spun out of the 2014 film of the same name. I've never seen this one to date. I did watch the first one of season three. I understood not a fucking word of what was happening. It started with a secret society and it kind of got more confusing from there. But very briefly, uh, would you like to fill us in, Boyd? Yeah, this is, do you know what? This is one I get. This is one of those really good Netflix shows that doesn't get enough and I'm not blaming them it doesn't get enough attention I think certainly mm. in this country I think it gets probably gets more attention in America it's spun off from the original film Dear White People um, written and directed by Justin Simeon and it is a really smart um, edgy clever um, quite self-consciously current so there are there are little cultural pistics on it there's a, there's, a, there's a really funny spoof satire of Queer Eye which of course you've never seen because you don't watch reality yeah, so that TV was lost on me. Um, and it very, it's, there's, a, there's a running joke and so this is the third season there's a running joke about third seasons of Netflix shows that oh, are yeah. self-consciously because there's a line about that yeah. and I found it smug and annoying but you know there, there are you could say it's smug and annoying or else it's being it's smartly self-referential in a very in a very you know in a kind of freewheeling we don't give a shit way that's yeah. the tone of it it's definitely there's, but what it does do is deal with issues of racism in American particularly in student life so well mm. in a, with an incredible lightness of touch so you've got it deals with the different sex segments and the segmentation if you like of, of groups at university within the black community so you've got there's an African based kind of group who go around with each other there's a kind of Ivy Leaguey group that kind of have their own arty farty magazine that's really funny and there's a kind of more there's a kind of there's a gay cup duo who kind of pal up and go around together exploring the gay life of the of the, of the university it's really really well done and mm. it's and it's you know it's effectively it's a sitcom but you know it's a really bold daring fun experience to watch and as i say so up to date so it's cultural reference points are so current that alone makes it kind of there's something really pleasurable about that and the way it's kind of touching upon everything that's going on right now in america it's really good okay that is dear white people which drops on netflix on i'm gonna say friday Correct. There we go. Um, <laughs> please tell me our pick of the week is not manifest, because that is a, a twist that, frankly, I would never have seen coming. I I refuse to pick this week. I mean, it would be not, dear white. It is dear white people. Yeah, dear white people. <laughs> you can't pick it. You haven't seen <laughs> I know, it. I haven't. You like it? There is out of out of the three we have reviewed, 
neither non neither non none so what we're saying is this week go out into the sunshine explore nature turn off that television set watch friends before they take it off netflix (laughs) and watch friends before it leaves netflix watch none of these shows including the uh nominated critically acclaimed one um great good you can choose one if you want i just refuse because it's not good enough oh i can choose one i can i choose the expanse seasons one to three no okay fair enough best best i maybe don't then Okay, so okay, go on, boy. What are you well, saying? It's going to be the plain one, isn't it? Because that's the one we did enjoy. I mean, it is true. Manifest, which manifest is objective. No, but the thing is, here we have a manifest, which is, and I think we can all the agree, objectively one, the worst of the three, and yet also the most enjoyable. Yeah, but I keep mm. forgetting what the name of it is. Manifest, 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 yeah. manifest. Is that a recommendation? Is it? It's, it's, it's the worst of it's the three. The worst but it's of the, the best. three, but you'll have the best time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's lowbrow entertainment at its best. Okay, that yeah, that's good. There you go. That's my poster quote. Right, uh, it is time, finally, before we bid you adieu for the uh, Banshee segment, where we recommend a good show from ages past, although not, and I must emphasise this, in the kind of tedious detail with which I did Highlander last week. So we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to put a pin in that. I've done this one really, really condensed uh, uh, and short. God, the you sense ready? of relief in you the ready? room is like I'm going to keep this massive. really tight. Like This should hopefully take no more than a minute max. Tight, tight 60 seconds. Yep, yep. Ready? Okay, timing. So this week I want to talk about Awake. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. So this was a 2012 show starring Jason Isaacs, and he pl- he plays uh, Michael Britton, who's an LAPD detective who's involved in a car accident while driving. Uh, a car accident in which his wife and his son die. <laughs> but do they? Because from that point on, he lives in two parallel worlds. In one world... His wife died in the crash, and in the other, his son died in the crash, and he wakes up in uh, an alternate ones each day. And he knows which one he's in because he wears different coloured wristbands in each one. He wears a green wristband in one world and a blue one in the other, so he can keep them straight in his head. And so uh, you have this show where Jason Isaac solves crimes simultaneously in two different dimensions while wow. concurrently having a nervous breakdown due to the loss of his wife slash son. Uh, it's, it's nuts. He hasn't lost either because he gets to spend one day with one and one but in other. one reality, he's living in a world where his son is dead and everyone is like, it's all very difficult. And then his wife and son obviously don't coexist. So it's quite... That it, sounds like it's a good solution to it's me. It's discombobulating. But he uses, he solves crimes, and this is key, using information drawn from the two different realities. And he puts them together in his head and he solves crimes. You just, you so, just, you did a Jason Isaacs um, show recently though, didn't you? You did uh, Yes, I did. Brotherhood. I did Brotherhood. Yeah, I'm, all, going, I'm Jason going through Jason Isaacs' TV. back catalogs. That's my thing. Fair enough. This was a really great show and it was actually well reviewed and it was really interesting to watch. Thanks in no small part to the fact it had fucking Jason Isaacs in it. The concept was kind of picking up speed, I would say, when it was cancelled during the first season. Where did it air? uh, Because nobody watched it. Over here, do you know what? I cannot remember. And if I, you know, done proper preparation, I'd have maybe looked that up, but I didn't. So uh, I don't remember where it aired over here. But but it did get cancelled. There was no second season. And that was it, which seems a little bit harsh. Now, uh, this is actually available to buy from a number of different digital services. I think you buy it on iTunes, you buy it on Amazon, Google Play. But you can't stream it anywhere for free. Uh, And... I can't tell you how much a used DVD copy is because I couldn't find one, so it's possible there isn't a box there either. But you can track it down. And actually, it's worth tracking down because it's good and it's got fucking Jason Isaacs in it. It was on Sky Atlantic. Here. Sky Atlantic. Yeah, I remember it, yeah. I yeah. remember it's probably It's probably still on um, Sky's catch-up service. Most things are. Okay. Well, they, they the do. website that I looked it up didn't list that, so... 
have to say it was quite good. I remember it was watching good. it. Yeah. It was good. Um, I am going for, so I'm doing a, the background to me is I'm doing researching Russell T. Davis' career at the moment because I'm doing an event with him at the Edinburgh TV <laughs> Festival. Why do you, of all people, need to research <laughs> yeah. Russell Because he's done a lot of stuff. Because he's done a lot of stuff that you might forget about. For example, Casanova, his 2005 TV serial, which starred no less than David Tennant as Casanova in the kind of present-day scenes, and Peter O'Toole. Really? Yes, Peter O'Toole <laughs> as the ageing Casanova, who's like the framing device. So it starts with him r- looking back, reminiscing on his life. And I think it must be one of the last things that Peter That's O'Toole did. Casting. It's incredible. It's got Laura Fraser in it, Rupert Penry Jones, Nina Sassania, Rose Byrne pops up in it. It was really good, funny, very bawdy t- tone, as you'd expect for a thing about Casanova, but it felt like it was telling you know the real story of Casanova that rather than the kind of cliched and David Tennant was really fun in it and it was just a classically really well written entertaining look at this classic historical figure and it must be available somewhere on <laughs> but you don't know where well, of course I don't but it's a really it was a really good 2005 Casanova and it was on BBC Three unbelievably was it yeah okay good good Terry well here's the thing I love David Tennant more than life itself <laughs> The tenth doctor is the only doctor. However, James has basically pitched the most yes. me TV show ever. <laughs> and I am gonna watch it this weekend because <laughs> Awake sounds amazing. It is, it is. I highly recommend it. Yes. I'm furious. Victory is mine. Damn. Um I've got to tailor these more to your specific tastes. You do. That's the lesson I've yeah. done. Yeah. Um but Terry, you're surely gonna do that after you've watched the rest of Downton Abbey. Yes. Yes before you have many episodes yet to watch. Yet to watch. Before the film comes out. Right. Well, that is it for another episode of the Pilot TV Podcast. We are, as ever, eager to receive your five-star ratings on iTunes, if you have a moment, and also to welcome you with open arms on our various social media accounts, at Pilot TV Mag, at James C. Dyer, at Terry underscore White, and at Boyd Hilton. In fact, so here's the thing that's come to my attention. People seem to not care how many Twitter followers you have, and it's apparently it's all about Instagram. Have you found this? Like people like, you're like, oh, you know, social media profiles. And I, but oh, I've got people on Twitter. No, don't care. Instagram. Instagram will die. Only young people. Is it young people? Yeah. Yeah, young people care about Instagram. Because I feel feel my my self-worth has been diminished significantly by this since I have almost no followers on Instagram. And so I Are you using this to give yourself a shout out on Instagram? Yeah. Oh my God. Go on. You need to post more. where I'm heading. That's where I'm heading. You need to post more topless shots of yourself on Instagram. I don't think that will get me followers. Quite the contrary. Shirts off, lads. Yeah. That's it. Oh God. No, I don't think think naked selfies is really the way to get That's what Instagram's all about. Really? See, I'm not sure if you were to Google how to increase your Instagram following. I'm not sure. Uh, Boyd's right. Yeah. Is he? Yeah, yeah, it's selfies, topless shots, and like um, coloured ice cream against a multicoloured wall. Oh my God. Yeah, very, very colourful. Yeah, very colourful. So, so what you're saying is Instagram is home to bellends. Mm, yeah. I mean, Instagram is the most narcissistic of all of the social media. Yeah. So you'd think I'd love it. And yet, here I am. I don't think you want to. No, it's the total opposite of your yeah. personality. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You hate all that yeah. shit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, you have to, you have, you'd have to sell out to be big. See, on I like Twitter because I can just be rude and snarky, and it's yeah, of you know, well, generally accepted. Whereas yeah. on Instagram, I think I'm supposed to pout and take your shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, well, maybe I'll give that a go next week. To find out, <laughs> follow me on Instagram. <laughs> oh God! Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm lost now. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I went a bit off piece there. Yeah. Okay. Fine. So yes, Instagram. Uh, we... <laughs> what a great ending. <laughs> Oh, we shall return next week when, presumably, we'll be giving a 30-cock salute to Euphoria. 
Or that is my understanding of this show anyway. Uh, God, it should be interesting. That one's got a lot to live up to. Oh, that, I, I would say. this is going to be a big discussion, I yeah, think. Yeah. I'm uh, bracing myself for it now. So am I. So am I. For animated <laughs> sex scenes between celebrities and yeah. lots of genitals. Should yeah. be great. Possibly more fun than Manifest. We'll find out. Mm-hmm. Until then, however, pilot out. <laughs>